Go ahead, Ray. You! You worthless piece of slime! You ignorant, disgusting clown! Nothing but an unstable short chain molecule! It's the stuff. It's like pure concentrated evil. It's all flowing right to this spot. Material devolution has begun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to the Material Devolution Podcast. I am your host, Matt Walther. I'm here with Devin Ebert, as always, my partner in crime, my sidekick for life. And we are here today to talk a little bit about Mr. George Floyd. Uh, He died on Memorial Day. I'm sure by now most people have seen the video of the officer um, just kneeling on his neck for about five to nine minutes. Uh, That sparked uh, some unrest in uh, urban communities in Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis, and St. Paul, which has now spread to the entire country, every major and even, I would say, secondary city like Des Moines, Iowa, and Nashville, Tennessee, are seeing some sort of unrest. So it made us really want to talk about, you know, kind of what's going on, the systemic racism, the institutionalized racism, the thin blue line, as they like to call it, and just discuss a little bit about what is going on in America, um, kind of how we got here from the civil rights movement, and uh, and then just talk about some ways that we might be able to maybe be able to fix it. So, um, you know, Devin had brought uh, some really good um, questions um, coming at it from some different angles. So I'm going to let him kind of kick it off here and kind of talk a little bit uh, about the policing of the police and how that's kind of failed us over the last five years or so. Matt, good to be here with you as always. It's a little like living in backwards world, having you do the intro. I feel like I'm the co-host, my own co-host, <laughs> but I like it. I like it. We should do the intro from now on, but I love it. Uh, good to be here with everyone. Uh, unfortunate topic to be discussing. I mean, uh, it brings me back, Matt, Freddie Gray. Like Freddie Gray, we did this podcast episode, right? You know, private private prisons. Like private we've done, prisons. we've done multiple episodes about racism, and you know, the more you learn about the history of racism and just the history of race and white supremacy and uh, the history of the political bludgeon being used against minorities, specifically African Americans in this country, it's really disheartening. So it's been a learning experience. One I'm grateful for having gone down, but uh, yeah, kick this off and get into the nitty gritty, Matt. I mean, there's a lot of topics we could highlight and go down. I'm not sure where the wormholes are going to take us. What I wanted to start with, which I think is an interesting way to kick this off is a discussion of why this was, the powder keg moment you know obviously hundreds of police murders have happened uh in the last couple of years and dozens of gratuitous philando castile style ones where you know you're just getting people murdered in cold blood by the police with video evidence and still nothing's done the cops are rarely charged if they ever are the charges are dropped i mean you pretty much have to like walk into somebody's house at night like point them gene style and murder them in their own living room by accident and then even then you get like seven years so why do you think this specific incident was the one that was the powder keg moment oh man that video was disturbing disturbing to the point that it made you realize your own morbidity and you saw the lack of humanity and the concern 
from the police officer who rarely even looked down to check on the man while the cell phone videographers pleaded with him to get off of it. And and then he called out for his mother. I mean, it was gut-wrenching to watch. And then when the secondary surveillance video came out and it showed that they got him in handcuffs straight away out of the he car. Was in the car, right? He was in, in the, the car. car. And there was no sign of struggle. And I just think that the pent-up anger and energy that has 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 just been an undercurrent of America since Freddie Gray, um, since um, since forever, 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 right? Forever. Let's let's talk about it forever. I mean, because when you wait, talk wait, about wait, these wait. pains, these are deep rooted pain. I mean, you, you know, you went from slavery uh, to Jim Crow. Uh, to you know the civil rights movement um, attacked by dogs and redlining and everything else. America right? is the illusion of a country. We're like 50 different countries called states that have the illusion of being one country. But we're so widespread and vast that you know the unique cultural and racial and economic makeups of every city even in some states is so vastly different mm-hmm. that your dealings with race and what it means to your life is going to be incredibly vastly different than the rest of the country. Like what, what racism and what we deal with here in San Diego, like you and me of all people is like non-existent to where even if we were the same people and we were in your hometown, if we were in St. Louis, Missouri, we'd be dealing with it on a whole different level, even as the most privileged people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because when I was doing some research for the show, I saw that, um, a black uh, person in Oklahoma is six times more likely to get shot and killed by police uh, than uh, somebody in Atlanta or in Georgia uh, as a state, so it's a, it speaks to exactly what you're talking about. But returning to you know why I think this is this is the the, the powder keg, this is the moment um, that that the catalyst for what's happening right now is I think it's coupled with a couple of things. You know we we we've been we've been at lockdown orders, we've been at home. People are 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 are. are already stressed jobs, to the right? max. Yeah. They 25% of the population is out of work. Um, so you, you just have this, this, it, it's a perfect storm of things that come together. People are out of work. You don't have anything to do. What's, well, what do you want to do? Well, let's go protest these, you know, let's go protest against this institution that we feel like we're for, oppressed. For making me lose my job and not taking in financially, medically, like what, Give me a reason to get mad about something else, right? Exactly, exactly. And then when you couple that with the the the, the other the other truth is that financially the millennials uh, are way behind the curve as to generations before them uh, as far as earning power, uh, jobs, and all of those things because they've already taken a hit from 2008. Uh, some of the older millennials uh, came out of college right around uh, 9-11. Um, so this is, you know, this is, it is, the, it is ripe for civil unrest at the moment in the United States. And we're seeing this experiment, like you called it, the 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 united states of america it might possibly just be failing it might this might be this might be the beginning of 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 a failed state or failed experiment um that's scary to say and maybe not but you know you have a president who doesn't understand the law um who would be willing um to invoke acts the insurgency act and have the military go and 
you know, clamp down and be law and order uh, and send in the troops, not just the National Guard, but he's talking about military police, which is almost a violation of posse comitatus. So we're in a really, we're in a really scary and confusing time, you know, at at the moment. And then, and then, and then again, and, and it comes back to accountability. Who should be held accountable? The police need to be held accountable. This man needs to be held accountable. The four people, the other three officers who were there and witnessed this and didn't stop him from this heinous act of murdering this man in the, in broad daylight should be held accountable. But as we've seen time and time again, the police are unable to police themselves. By design, they are able to police themselves and they do it exactly as they are by design. This isn't a flaw. This is a feature. Correct. I this stand is, corrected. This is, you're, 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 this is by, this is absolutely by design. For me, when I thought about it and reflect on it, why like this would be the one. And of course, uh, I think you're spot on about there being so many people out of work and just in a position to powder keg like this. The few, you know, the powder's packed. Somebody just needs to light the fuse. I think what this did was basically over the last decade or two, the way the neoliberals and the powerful elites have placated the minorities or, you know, the subject of the racist system at its core is they've given them marginalized institutional changes. We'll, we'll do police reform. We'll have civilian review boards. We'll have body cameras. We'll do A, we'll do B, we'll do C. All of these are just the illusion of change without ever anything actually changing as we've seen foot. So, I mean, here we have everyone has cameras. The cops should have body cameras. There's people filming them. It's not just that this cop is kneeling on this guy's neck for five minutes, slowly murdering him in plain sight with tons of video evidence. It's that there's four other cops around him not doing anything about it. Nothing. Complete, completely saying, you know what? We're actually decides- harassing the people who are recording this hey, happening. If one of us, the police, decides to murder you, we've got their back no matter what. So now it is us against you. We are willing to murder you and protect us. And guess what? When this happens, there's no arrest. If there weren't riots, there wouldn't have been an arrest. The way they tried to phrase it was, oh, he was kneeling on him, yeah. not murdering him. He was kneeling, kneeling. This is This is manufacturing consent with how reporting and the language gets used, where, you know, when we all watch a video of somebody murdering somebody, say, hey, well, that guy just murdered that guy. And, oh, no, no, he didn't. He was apprehended and resisting arrest, and so we need to use refined police techniques to aggressively we deal with the We are forcefully restraining by, him. Yeah, by forcefully restraining them by using you know advanced uh, techniques on dangerous suspects. It's, it's all just bullshit being fed to you. So I think that was the powder keg moment when you could literally just like be like, hey, we'll do this on video in your face and have other cops around enforcing it, and you can't do anything about it. Watch us. Watch us. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it, it's really rubbing it in the face. Uh, and it shows a level of well that uh, that antagonism uh, that antagonism is also part of the problem in which those they police those areas and they police in general they are antagonists they're not coming oh there's they don't approach they're, they're not appro- yeah they're not they're not approaching situ- the videos they're not they approaching situ- violence bro they're 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 unnecessarily tear gassing people rubber bolting people in the eyes in new york they drove through protesters Absolutely. unnecessarily because uh, and then they make frame like oh they surrounded our car and they were they were yelling mean words at us you can put your car in reverse 
There's no you one don't have to go Ma- forward. Ma- Mayor Bill de Blasio, when that shit went down in Charlottesville, what where Heather Heyer got run over, he said this is terrorism. A, co- a guy got in his car and there was protesters in front of him and he had to go backwards. And instead he decided to run him over. That was terrorism. When cops do it, those protesters shouldn't have got in front of their car. They shouldn't have got there. Yeah, when he was driving away and those people were on the hood, I was like, oh my goodness. So That could have when, been when so ex- much worse. When, when we're excusing that behavior of what we used to call terrorism because they're police, we're basically saying the police have free reign of terrorism, which they do. They can reign terror with, with no fear of repercussion because the state has a monopoly on violence and if you're going to give a monopoly on violence to somebody you need to have faith that it's being distributed fairly yes and let's be let's be real it's never distributed fairly yes and we're seeing it more and more it's reached a level of distribution measured measured and fairly yes it's so expected by people that it's just gratuitous and i think people are, are fed up with having it rubbed in their face constantly like you can do this on video and get away with it like used to get away with it because we couldn't prove it now you're saying we we played by your rules here's the video here's the evidence do it and it's like we'll talk to the da and maybe maybe we can file a, a manslaughter charge maybe yeah manslaughter charge that guy got third degree it's insane and so i what we want to talk about like and you wanted to talk about was the police being able to police the police and you know the structure they've done over the years is you know we're gonna have better policing right yeah tell me a little bit about that they've set up some independent um, you know tribunals and other things like that so committees minneapolis has long had problems despite being a blue state with uh complaints against the police it's well known as a very racist police uh depending on who you talk to based on the complaints they've been getting and what they did was in 2012 uh this was a news article i was reading they set up a civilian board in minneapolis and eventually it got replaced by an agency called the office of police conduct review and their goal was to basically deal with complaints from the public against officers for whatever behavior, assault, bad language, doing something illegal, you know, misconduct, police misconduct. So since 2012, about nine years, they've fielded 2,600 plus complaints from the public about officers. Of those 2,600, nearly 3,000, only 12, one, two, have resulted in an officer being disciplined. So we're saying that about one out of every 250 complaints has resulted in an officer being disciplined. That seems pretty low to me, okay, mm. 0.3%. What was the worst punishment in the last 10 years that have resulted of these Somebody had to have gotten complaints? fired, right? I mean... Oh, you'd think fired alone. I would think charged with something. Yeah, charged. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Like The worst complaint in 10 years led to a 40-hour suspension. Wow. Somebody didn't get paid for So is that the Minneapolis Police Department? That's the Minneapolis Police Department. Okay. Okay. So when you're dealing with a situation where you're like, hey, we've set up all these mechanisms, you know, internal affairs, civilian review board, you know, oh, you don't like it? File a complaint. Vote vote for this guy. Vote for this prosecutor. You've set all these mechanisms. Well, that's just the appearance. The it's... illusion of control. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so you say people, oh, you need to vote. You need to do this. You need to get a video. You need... And then they do all that, and it doesn't matter. So doesn't what you're matter. saying is your rules are all bullshit in the first place, and by playing your game, I'm losing. My only logical reaction at that point is, is to this. lash out. Is to lash out at the system. So this is where I think it's interesting. When you see like looting, rioting, what is your reflection initially? Because there's looting, rioting right now going on, but without context, 
it's meaningless. I mean, what's happening now happens after a Super Bowl victory. Correct. But the context is completely meaningless. If people are destroying stores and burning down police stations because of police murdering people, that's a little different than them burning down stores and attacking police because their sports team won. Because their sports team won. Well, listen, hey, you know, players led by Colin Kaepernick have been trying peacefully to raise awareness to this problem for a while. Not to say that they started it, but of course, saying yeah. in the most recent past to raise awareness. Michael, that was the peaceful. Hey, that was the peaceful. That way. was the peaceful way. People yelled at him about that. Said they oh, were unpatriotic. Yeah, yelled at him. He got blackballed. He, he got blackballed from the hated, NFL. Blackballed from his job. One of the most hated men in America. Death threats constantly. Uh, you know, accused of being unpatriotic, un-American. Yeah, unpatriotic, because you didn't stand because, for the because flag. He wanted to use Because he wanted to use his platform to point out that racial there's, injustice. There, there's systematic racism built into this country where you're obtuse if you don't want to admit that. And exactly. What I'll, I'll get to later uh, when we discuss this. But yeah, to me, it's like you just pointed out. Like, what do you do when the peaceful protests don't work? Don't work. When, when, oh, Hey, go over here in this corner, in this quarantine zone with the chain link fence around it that's 20 by 20 feet where no one can see you, and you're able to chant your slogans there in that confined space where no one can see you and you can't do anything. No, go over there. Cool. That'll change everything. That'll change everything. Absolutely. And and, and so to answer your question, things escalate. You you turn you have to turn up the heat. I'm not saying – I'm not justifying any of this stuff, right? I, I You know, burning down cities and – You, you know, don't have to both sides in that. You don't have to both sides. I don't. I don't. You're absolutely right. And I and I don't want to do that because I was listening to some of our previous podcasts and I was kind of upset with myself that I was actually doing that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we don't have to, uh, you know, both sides of this because nobody is in favor of pointlessly doing property damage for the sake of doing property damage. The context is everything. The reason there's rioting and looting going on is because there's no other response that can be given they started rioting and looting and what happened the guy got arrested and he's probably going to get charged if they hadn't done that would that have happened so it's literally like don't do the thing that will cause change right because that's the thing without if you look so it's history, it's just another uh, all uh, this out outra- america Without violence, nothing's ever changed. It's it, this outrage. This outrage exactly. I mean, and that's where people are going back all the way to the freaking founding of our of our nation with the Boston Tea Party. Tea and saying Party? If you think that it was don't just damage property, hey, the same people don't damage property. Yeah, and if you think it was just some 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 niceties, some guys just teetotaling guys that went out there and just dumped some tea over, then you're you know you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> when you so feel, like we're talking about like a hundred million dollars, the equivalent of a hundred million dollar plus property like damage. Correct. to the British Empire like, like burn down a target imagine burning down like a city of targets to say fuck you to the British mm-hmm. that's like what the founding fathers did yeah absolutely and so like you said context is everything we glorify something like that and uh, you know we vilify what's happening right now and then it forces us to be in this position of being like but violence is never the answer when history shows us that violence is always the answer well it's interesting that we say that we want there to be a third way we want there to be like listen we don't want to have to use violence Give us the the third way, and they go. Here's the third way, and it's a door that leads you in a circle back to the same door. Exactly. It's just to pacify you. It's just to it's just to buy some time. Just to play, hey, you know play, what? It's a placator. Go, go on, go on, go on a long walk, right? Just and go you know on a long walk. Maybe, you're going back to the maybe, same place. 
maybe in the long run, it will give you a minutia, a minutia of some type of incremental change. But I forget if it was Huey Newton or which one guy where he's like, like, who's got a, how long do I have to wait for freedom? My grandpapa waited for freedom. My daddy waited for freedom. How, you're not, now I gotta wait 40 more years? What about my son? Like, like this is some fucking bullshit, this game you guys are playing. And that's really what it's about is the fact that you can't incrementally change a system that is inherently designed to be this way. This isn't malfunction. This is operating perfectly. In fact, it's an even more efficient racism killing machine than it ever was before because now it does under the guise of neoliberalism. Hey, we've got multi-gender, LBTQ, minority cops taking part in the fascism, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes, yes. Which brings us to a whole other thing. You know, a lot of people will sit here and they'll say, well, if these people didn't commit crimes or if, you know, when we talk about a disproportionate amount of, of black people being killed by police, uh, by, per, uh, as a percentage of their, of their population, um, you know, people, well, 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 they're, you know, in these ghettos and these urban areas and these depressed areas, there's more crime. So if there is more violent crime, then of course they're being, uh, you know, there, 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 there's more interactions with the police and therefore it's more yep. justified to, to do so. That's not the case. That's not that's not true. The levels of violent crime in U.S. cities is not determined. The well, rates of police violence. There are certain cities. There, that's true too. There are certain cities, of course, Chicago or parts of Atlanta here, or there, where you can look at like concentrated gang violence. But even that fails to look at the root institutional point of what the police are and what they are there to do. They are there to protect private property. They act as a force for capitalism to protect the private property state, the ownership state. The poor are basically the exploited class who have no property. They're in a position where they need to be exploited by the rich. And if they can't, they then need to find a way to survive on their own. That's why there's drugs. That's why there's crime. That's why there's robbery. That's why there's all this other economic violence. because capitalism says, if you can't get what you want by the means of capitalism, you have to work outside the means of capitalism. And that results in all this crime. So system of itself is forcing people to behave like this because they don't have the means to survive without it. And you just touched on something else. And then when you have a war on drugs, right, instead of a war on poverty, you have a war on drugs. So now you're actually seeking out that criminal, that specific, well, that's what I'm saying, but I'm saying that specific criminal behavior, which most people, like you said, without the opportunity, have to turn. Not have. I, mean, I guess they do. They don't have really much choice. They either turn to that by by force through gangs that make them get into drugs or, or whatever, or they're entrepreneurial. I guess you would say or enterprising young people that have found a way to put they, put that money on they the don't table. Have a choice. The way they've been basically structurally grown up, you know, thrown into projects, treated with racism, forced into low end jobs, restricted from getting good educations. They're put in a position where it's like. What are you supposed to do? Do you think it's more logical you're going to go from being like, you know, the broke son of a drug addict? Do you think your path to success is going to be getting scholarships to Harvard or maybe selling some rock? Like what's what what's going to work logically? You, you, you see your buddy on the corner do it instantaneously. Hey, he just made it happen today. I don't know anybody my entire life who's made it to Harvard. Like that's that's the mindset you have to put yourself in of what's realistic and yeah. why people do what they do. Yeah. It's the environment they're in. And I think uh you know, if you don't want to dive in anything else just yet, I can drop this Boots Riley thing, which I think really goes into the core where he attacks the root, root structural cause of why we're in this place 
and uh, you know maybe what's a realistic solution for it. He doesn't propose a, a golden bullet, but I think he hits to the core of the institutional problem. Yeah, you interested to hear a little monologue here, buddy? Absolutely. Let's lay it on me. Lay it on us. All right. All excited. right. So yeah, this is interesting. This is really interesting. Boots Riley. He's an acclaimed filmmaker. He made the recent film "Sorry to Bother You," which is about uh, being exploited by capitalism in the telemarketing industry. He's a member of the Coup, which is a legendary Bay Area hip hop group, also very uh, anti-capitalist, anti-monopoly, anti-big business. So he's well known on Twitter for being able to go off on the right things, and he had an amazing thread, which I thought was very, very interesting. I'm going to read it to you now, Matt, and then I want to get your thoughts after it on if you think this is correct and. If it is where we can build on it, or if it's incorrect, where uh, the flaws are in this argument. So here we go. Racist violence and police murder are inherent to capitalism. It will be around until we get rid of capitalism. Knowing this is also key to finding short-term ways that we can collectively get some semblance of more immediate reprisal for these injustices. Follow me for just a second. You cannot have full employment under capitalism. Capitalism must have a certain percentage of unemployed people to exist. When unemployed people rates lower past a certain point, you know, you see Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, etc. They worry because that means wages go up and stock values go down in real time. So there must be an army of unemployed workers so that the bosses can keep wages low by threatening workers with the idea of being replaced. The bigger that army is, the workers' supposed competition, the lower the wages are. And the point is to keep wages as low as they can. Because if there was full employment, workers could tell the boss, I want 75 an hour or I'm out. And the boss couldn't replace them. They'd have to give in to the demands of the workers without much organizing even needed. So businesses much make more money each year than the last. This wouldn't work. Capitalism needs an army of unemployed workers to exist. What do you call an army of unemployed workers? You call them hungry. They need to eat. And they don't have a job because capitalism needs them to be unemployed and desperate. That army of unemployed workers isn't going to just let themselves or their families starve and be homeless. They're going to go into a legal business. Hell, even many folks with legal jobs do that, and they don't have enough to do what they needs to do this so they get supplemental income. All businesses, legal and illegal, use violence to regulate itself. If the hotel next to the offices of Twitter decided to make a golf tour suit Twitter, Jack would say, no, I have a deed. And the deed only matters because there are men with guns, the police, who will physically enforce it. So when during Prohibition, when liquor was illegal, if you robbed the dude with liquor, just came after you, right? You robbed the liquor dude now, please come after you. 20 years ago, weed was illegal. You robbed the weed dude, his boys came after you. Now you rob the weed dude, the police comes after you. Same shit. Illegal businesses don't have the police or the courts on it to regulate it like illegal businesses. You can't go to court and say, Your Honor, I'm supposed to be buying a whole kilo of cocaine. Here, this half is baking soda. I demand restitution. There's no zoning board to complain to this block is only zoned for one cocaine vendor. If this guy wants to vend cocaine in the same area, he's going to have to get a personal permit just like me. That is less than he can agree to stick to vending heroin. So illegal business practitioners have to regulate businesses themselves. As you see with police and illegal businesses, regulating businesses takes physical force and violence. You can't have business without violence. You can't have business without violence, and you can't have unemployment without illegal business. And you can't have capitalism without unemployment. Therefore, you can't have capitalism without poverty, unemployment, so-called crime and violence. But here's the question now. How does the ruling class tell the whole working class, who in the U.S. is actually largely white, that their poverty and low wages is something that is built into the economic system? 
that the wealth of the Bezoses and Bloomberg's of the world rely on their poverty. They don't. They teach the working class through the media and conglomerates they own, you know, the news and entertainment, that low wages, poverty, and violence that grows out of that, it's due to the bad decisions of the impoverished. That the poverty they experience is something they can be fixed by unlearning who they are. The Bezoses and Bloomberg's of the world, they don't have to personally edit or produce it or put this out. They just hire editors and writers who don't challenge this view. Not hard. Many of them come from the same backgrounds and or training education and therefore politics. But how do you get away with telling the whole working class that their low wages and poverty is built into capitalism without the working class deciding to get rid of the ruling class? They don't. They point to black people and other people of color and say to the white people, look at those savages. They're violent. Their culture is lacking what they need to thrive in this system. They don't work hard. They, they have a weaker family structure than white people and so on and so on. That is poverty, and black people and other people of color are in poverty because of their own doing. When in actuality, capitalism works fine and is where you can get rich if you do it right. Here, watch CSI bumfuck. I'll prove it to you. End quote. They bolster the lie black neighborhoods have more crime and violence than white neighborhoods. Only if you lump the Bel Airs in with the white working class, studies show if you compare black communities to white communities of the same income level, crime and violence levels are exactly the same. Check out the article I wrote for The Guardian in 2015 for the links on a couple of those studies. And by the way, that way they get the white working class to say, I'm not like them at all. I'm morally upstanding. If I do have some financial problems, it's because of a little adjustments I need to make. Economic system. At least I'm not them. And that's when you get white people and families who make 22000 a year calling themselves middle class and aligning themselves with the ruling class. And it is not just Trump supporters. Look at Elon Musk's Twitter and you'll find a gang of people kissing his ass many with very little money. But now that poverty and the crime and violence that comes from it has been defined as a personal problem and furthermore, racistly defined as one derived from the culture of the community that is supposedly happening in more. What is the role of the police? If the police are supposed to actually want to fight crime, then they would go to the source of the crime. That would be the ruling class. This would be the billionaires who cause the low wages and poverty and crime that as I show above is necessitated by their actions. We've seen enough CSI bumfucks to know that they are always supposedly going for the guy at the top, the guy that's the ringleader of the said crime. If the cops were in it to stop crime and the violence that comes from it, they wouldn't be cops. They'd be revolutionary organizers because the source of crime isn't in black communities or other people of color communities or even white working class communities. The source of the crime is on Fifth Avenue in Bel Air and Silicon Valley. But since the racist ideas about black people and other people of color, as laid out above, are necessitated by capitalism, the job of the police in the black community is functionally one of a combatant against the community. It doesn't matter how nice the cop is in their personal life, or what basketball team they coach on the weekend, or even what their conscious intentions are on the job. The job of the police is simply at best to lock up folks for being involved in their own survival. In an economic system, that dictates and thrives off the fact that they are in poverty. And there are other crimes that aren't directly due to the direct uh, crime of economic survival, but many of those are even the outgrowth of the culture that comes from whatever that local industry is. Fishing villages sing fishing songs and whatnot. The only way for cops to feel like they're doing the right thing, the only way for them to function in their job, is for them to subscribe to racist notions of violence, crime, and poverty. Even if the cop themselves is black or a person of color, if you want to stop these things, you have to get rid of capitalism and a movement that understands where that, that understands where our power lies. If we want short-term justice for murders like uh, George Floyd's murder and the other ones that are going to come up, 
a reform, we're going to have to shut cities down. Strikes with clear demands in relation to this. General strikes until they not only arrest the other cops, but actually put on a prosecutor that we trust to prosecute. Like a D that went in there to disrupt. Like Philly's Larry Krausner or San Francisco's Chesse Budin. Again, this still won't fix the situation. But if we want to show what we can do, we have to show there's a cost to these murders. Then that's what will have to happen. And if it's something that everybody can take part in if you're working right now, but it has to be organized. And there are probably ways to figure out which industries a strike would be most effective. And monologue role. Amazing. Heavy stuff. Amazing. Heavy so stuff, the right? first thing I wanted to say about that is it takes way too much energy and introspection and self-analysis and a change of a paradigm, even for a second, a subjective change in the way that you look at the world to understand where Mr. Riley is coming from because it has been ingrained for so long and so many that this is the only way what you were saying through the media, the ruling class just penetrating the minds of the downtrodden, the oppressed, middle class, air quotes, of America. I'm not talking about the impoverished, the people that we consider impoverished. I'm considering, I'm talking about the value that we bring and the essential workers who are now called essential workers who bring value every day to people's lives and are not compensated adequately or proportionally for the value that they contribute. Those people are so brainwashed and so blind to the reality and the cyclical nature of what you just described that they won't even entertain those thoughts in their head. That is the most radical outlandish communist manifesto that I've ever heard, Devin. <laughs> that's how they see it. What are you talking yeah. about? You just, you just, no, that's not it. The, the police are there to enforce the laws and the laws are just because they are written down in books and those police should be praised for what they're doing and what they're doing is right because they have a badge. It's not, they're not, they're not subconsciously hijacked by some system to, to, to oppress and, and, and just continue to perpetuate this racist notion, this, 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 this legacy of slavery to keep the coffers of the city full, to keep the cells in the for-profit prisons full that's not what that that absolutely not there's no way that those officers are acting like that that man he goes to church on sunday he has three kids he teaches he coaches softball and karate i think you got to it right there they've individualized the identity just like everything in this country has been individualized we only care about ourselves and the people we know so when you have a friend or a brother or you know someone who's a cop and you go he's a good guy though 
I know him. And as a person, as a friend interacting outside of the sphere of being a cop, he seems like a decent person. So I can't rectify that with him being part of a system that at its core is designed to perpetuate basically like racist violence and the state, you know, enslaving you as like a wage slave. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't square that circle. But you that know, somebody here's... who you respect and like could willingly be part of that system. But here's you know a, what I mean. And, and but here's a way for people that everybody can see this in 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 real time. If you know somebody who might be the most timid, laid back, conservative you know, maybe not a boisterous person and in real in, in his regular life. But what if you, but then he plays a sport and you go and watch that guy play hockey, let's say, right. And all of a sudden that guy on the ice is just a freaking maniac. Right. And he's just, he's, he's got his, his stick and his helmet and he's just, he's just a, he's a bruiser. He's just checking people and he's just an enforcer and it's completely a far departure from his every day that you see him on the on the weekends when you're cracking beers and at barbecues and stuff like oh, yeah. that that's what happens when you get around the team you put your uniform on it's game time i'm no longer joe from the block i'm 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 joe stormtrooper hey every murderer's family ever he, i've never seen him do that before he's always so nice I've never had a violent incident with him. I love him. Like, I, I can never picture him doing that. I, I, I. Me, me, me. My, my, my. That's the only thing that matters. My, my experience. My perspective. What I dealt with. It's unable to infringe that there is a reality outside of your own experience. Right. And what, and what you just exactly and what you just touched on is exactly the problem as to and why the, the these 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 outbursts continue to escalate because you have an entire group of people with blinders on that will never, ever, ever be have the empathy to be able to think about the way that their interactions with police officers are. Their interactions with over and over again, harass, get out of the car. Let me see what you're doing. We're doing an identity check, blah, 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 blah. You know, it it, it just continues and goes and goes and goes. And these people are, you know, always around cops and always getting harassed. And they're always in this egotistical, arrogant posture that we've all seen. I mean, if you've been in, if you've been in any interactions with police officers before, you know, you know that, it's it's a it's a it's a you're walking on eggshells. It's a slippery it's slope. How they've been trained. It's a tricky. This isn't by accident. Because that's the thing. People always say, "Oh, it's some bad apples." We need to weed out the bad apples. Well, first off, the system's designed so you can't weed out the bad apples because cops will never speak bad on other cops. The blue wall of silence. You need to trust your buddies in the trenches more than anybody. If you're willing to take the side of some thug against your buddy who's you know going to be defending your back from getting shot, why is that guy going to watch your back? So at that point, you're already giving in to saying, hey, we're going to cover up some fucked up shit if necessary, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, you go into it together go, knowing, hey, like if, this, if shit goes down, shit goes sideways, and maybe we get a little out of line here, like you're gonna, you got me, right? Like you're my partner. partner. That's what I mean. Like you're partners, more Partners don't turn in partners, right? Being an honest cop doesn't work. Serpico, I'd be like literally, like you cannot – expose corruption on the force without being fired or like forced out by other cops like because you you went against the cops doesn't matter if what you did was right what you did was morally ethically correct if what the cop did was so grossly disgusting that everybody on the force shouldn't want to be associated with him at all the main thing isn't that he did that the main thing is that you were willing to take somebody's side against your brothers right 
it's a brotherhood like you talked about you know what i mean it really is they really try to cultivate a cult-like mindset of it's us let's against ta- them let's talk about even though they're supposed to be in theory which is funny people have this idea in their head about protect and serve like this was like the foundational aspect of the police police foundational aspect was to protect private poverty protect and serve was a slogan a model that won a contest in the 1950s that they decided to run with interesting backstory we could discuss at another point it's marketing they go, they're supposed to protect and serve. That's actually not anything to do with what the police were founded for. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, and you're right. In the militarization of police over the last uh, 40 years. Um, yeah, we can't, get, we can't get nurses PPE, but every cop looks like they're Metal Gear Solid. You know what I mean? Exactly. Every single one. Every um, single one. They're decked out in so much tactical gear because what's happened is, is – the way we've expanded the military industrial complex is police budgets have been able to use uh yeah surplus, like if they, if surplus they, military uh, surplus, uh, equipment they're, is they're able to take uh if they like uh what's the word if you take stuff from uh like searches and stuff like that yeah seize seize from seizures if they like auction that off or, or whatever they seize they can use those funds they're able to use that into the military budget to obtain, like you said, tactical weapon. It's why all of a sudden you see APCs on the street. You're like, you know, hey, there's a situation. All of a sudden it looks like the National Guard rolled into town. You're like, who called the military? I thought like, you know, like somebody was like having a, a freak out. Mm-hmm. 40 cops are here with machine guns and snipers. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about what this guy did too. It was a counter, counterfeit $20 bill. Bad $20 bill, so he deserves to get murdered, yeah. Deserves to get murdered. Listen, if he, and, and here's where it's really juxtaposed to people, the system, you know, you get situations like Dylan Roof, who goes into a black church and murders nine people, and they take him out of handcuffs. And take him out of handcuffs, King. yep. Give him Burger King. Yep. And, and then you just get like, hey, here's the broke, poor black guy who's Sitting right. in his car. You know, committing fraud, trying trying to scam this place for $20. Hey, what, what do we do about him? Hey, let's murder him on the street in front of everybody on video and then not do anything about it. Well, like, here's the other the question. Do you think do you think makes a- people so inherently revolted with the status of things? Because the fact when the media shows those two things side by side, your brain can't rectify that you live in the same country because you don't. Depending on your economic status, your uh, cultural status, your racial status, those things all dictate a very unique facet of what your life is going to be like. And like I said, it all comes back to that like my experience is the only experience worth having mentality that these people take into this where they're not willing to put themselves in the shoes of somebody whose entire life has been shit and then realize that that's the majority of people the majority right right yeah um it's just privilege right people have these this privilege whether it's considered white privilege or or some other thing um that it's they, not white privilege it's, it's class privilege. it's class economic, privilege yeah, that's why that's I, I don't i don't like that white privilege term i mean there is there said, is white privilege there is we, privilege we, we, we is given though, we pointed out though when we talked about uh, boots pointing that study if the income levels and economics are the same, the levels of violence are the same. Same. Yeah, absolutely. Class, but that only man, makes sense. That, that, that's why he points out racism is an inherent part of capitalism. Right. It's part of it, man. Yeah. It really is. It needs to have us divided. You have to it have. It needs to have these class divisions yes. and have us justified why people need to be living in these ghettos and why there's always violence there. It must be a reason of their own their doing. Their own doing. Absolutely. They must, they must have a flaw in their DNA. Mm-hmm. It must be 
eugenics. Right. You know what I mean? It couldn't. It couldn't possibly be, be be the external factors and their surroundings that keep them in that in that system. It, it's just it. it that's what frustrates me the most about the people who pass judgment on uh, what's happening at the moment. And they just don't, they don't, they, they, they fail. Go your, vote, right? Yeah, go vote. Yeah, go vote. But they fail to recognize, they fail to even recognize the, the hardships um, that come about. And then the other part of it is, is that you, uh, Boots also struck on with something that it made me think about. And they were talking about, oh, those people must be lazy or those people not, must not want to have jobs or they must, you know, just want to, you know, just just want to be violent or vigilantes and, 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 and work outside the law and, 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 and all of these things. And, and you're saying that may be a lot of what people see now that there is a lot. Maybe maybe some people have given up. I'm not saying that there isn't people that, you know, have given up and have just continue to, to, to milk the welfare system or whatever there is because there is, but that's just a common byproduct of years and years of, uh, of oppression and, 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 uh, and plight, um, sooner or later, like you said, you you see these things and you're like, well, we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Right. We're not going anywhere. So why should I continue to try? So that's what they see now, but that's not what it started. It started, it started in, 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 in and there's black folks that were enterprising. They were moving to the cities, but then all of a sudden the banks wouldn't lend to them. Uh, and then they, and then they got redlined out of houses and there was a black wall street. Remember that at every, yes, at every turn, there's a a history, man, at every turn that you think that all of a sudden, like, you know, it's the Emancipation Proclamation, and 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 they're free, and it's Juneteenth, and everybody in in Texas now is free, and you know, uh, but that's not what happened. That's not what happened. <laughs> they just found other ways to enslave. That's what. Uh, yeah. Right. War on drugs, exactly. Like that. There's always a system of oppression because that's the oil the machine runs on. Like capitalism needs unemployed people. And it needs poor people. How do you keep people unemployed and poor? You need a system that exploits their labor, and you need a force that's going to make sure that that labor force isn't in a position to do anything but be exploited. Well, I mean, they went right into they went right into indentured servitude, like right after slavery. So now all of a sudden you can't pay your bills. So now we're going to work you to death for free. It's the same thing. You know, what was it called? The black codes or whatever. It was like ways that black people could act. And, you know, it was very restrictive as to like what actually could, you know, they could do. And then they would, so they would, they would just, they would just, they would just hem them up and just put them back in the fields. So I think this is where it's all pretty interesting too, because you get the, you know, the libs who are even worse than the conservatives because they have the illusion that voting for the other worst person in the world will change anything. These people, and I'm going to, put this to you because this is where it's interesting to me they're not a hundred percent wrong because of course there's a difference between trump and biden i mean even if there are minute differences like yes there is a difference between parroting well, racist white supremacist language and not i was there gonna say one 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 did not quote you know a uh, a a, a hard line police chief from 1968 and said when the looting starts the shooting starts I, no, exactly. Like, listen, one is not going to embellish the racist overtone voices. And maybe, uh, you know, of course, Biden will take better positions that do have tangible uh, results in terms of like women's rep- reproductive Biden, rights, Biden things vote, like that. Didn't, but Bi- didn't Biden vote for the crime bill? 
which militarized the police. And tried to cut Social Security and was best friends with Strom Thurmond segregationists and gave his eulogy. Segregationist. This is the guy who's the liberal vice president, the liberal presidential candidate. The guy who's best friends with the segregationist. But here's the thing. So you're like, vote for this guy based on these tangible differences. But when it comes to things like the police and capitalism, there is no difference. So your vote actually doesn't have any impact in this area whatsoever. When they say vote for somebody different, unless they're going to, what what policies are they going to put forward? This is the main thing that you should always hold people to when they talk. Well, isn't that what Charlemagne the God said to him? Like that was his point to, to uh, Biden was don't just give, don't just placate me with your, with your freaking words. Well, Biden threw it in his face, and it's kind of ironic. It's funny because we were going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Biden did a show on The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God in an appearance. And, you know, he's classic Biden himself. He was a little shook, tried to get out of there early. And he tried to, like, I think he was just riffing. He was trying to be funny. Like, yeah, Charlemagne he was, was trying asking. to cut up with him a little bit. Char- he seemed Char- like Char- he was Char- trying was to trying him, to bro like, down a yeah, little bit. Yeah, Charlemagne wanted him to come back because he cut the interview short. And he wanted him to be like, hey, man, like, when you're in town, you should come through. We got more questions for you. You know, like, I, I, I want questions because... Of course, the premise is what he was trying to ask Joe was before this, before he even got to the statement where he was like, hey, if, you, you know, if you're voting for Trump, you ain't even black. Where Honestly, I think that's the brain worms. He's just trying to be funny and he doesn't realize stuff like that isn't funny anymore. Yeah. But what he told him in response to that was Charlemagne was asking him a question where he said, you know, historically, the blacks have voted for the Democrats and you got elected and you're in this position because of black people. That's a fact. So. What are you going to do for the black community who feel often that the Democrats just assume you're African-American, you're going to vote for me, we don't have to do anything for you? So he's literally asking the basic question of politics, of leverage, of we're giving you our vote. What are you going to do for us? Because there needs to be an exchange. You don't just get our vote for nothing. That's how politics work. We vote for you. You do this thing we like. That's the fucking core asset of it. And what was his response? He went on some diatribe about, I get 96% of the black vote. I, I I broke every record in South Carolina, beat Obama in terms of the black vote. In Delaware, I get 96% of the black vote. Basically, what he said is, black people vote for me no matter what. No matter what. So, I don't so have why to tell I, you shit. So why, why do I need to even offer you anything? But, but You guys obviously love me and you vote for me even though I don't do shit for you. So why would I offer anything? That's, he doesn't even realize he's saying that. Right. That's what he's saying. But that's I've what got saying. 100% of your vote, and I'm not offering anything. Why would I offer? That's what the Democrats and the liberals are coming to understand about why the Democrats suck so much is if you have no leverage, why would they fucking do anything for you? Joe Biden, he needs to pick a black woman as her VP. Or, or else what? Or else what? Or else what? what? And do? now he's pigeonholed himself. Hey, what are you going to do, hey, now- do, do? Vote for Trump? Exactly. That's like, what's your leverage? You have no leverage. So you can't get this guy to do anything. So when it comes to policy, it's like, okay, we're going to vote for somebody. What are they going to do in terms of reducing the military budget, the police budget, and putting prosecutors and review boards in place who will actually have power and take immediate action against people? Those are the only things that matter. If you're not going to cut police budgets and military budgets, that's the only thing that influences in this country is money. Money. Cut their budgets. They lose their power. Mm-hmm. Cut their budgets. Give more oversight, more revolutionary prosecutors and people in oversight boards who have the authority to take action, remove people from their posts. Things like that. These people hate oversight. They hate having to have body cameras. That's why they turn them off at the time. 
New laws. Guess what? Your body camera, every officer, it's on 24-7. If it turns off, if you're not in the middle of an active crime, you need to turn it back on immediately as your priority. If, if you're found turning it off, that's punishable by a year in jail, federal penitentiary. You're found tampering with your own body camera. Coordinated conspiracy, five years. You have other, other ones turn it off knowingly and lie about it. You start putting laws like that in place, things will start changing pretty fucking fast. But Absolutely. getting to that point is going to require a lot more things that nobody wants to see, man. And I think we're unfortunately or nobody on wants to ad- nobody wants to admit it's 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 I I find it interesting that nobody can admit that there is a problem, even though you can see it. They'll lose their job. They'll lose their privilege. How many prosecutors, DAs, clerks, prison guards, uh, you know, law office workers, bail bondsmen? Police officers, deputies, corrections officers, receptionists. We're talking millions of people who work in this complex. Their livelihoods depend on torturing and exploiting their fellow man. And you're telling them, hey, forget about yourself for a second and worry about the collective. Yeah, when we see how well that's going. We can't even put a fucking mask on. This country, the entire structure of this country is fuck the collective, worry about yourself. That's drilled into your head. Yep. We're getting this, guys. We are America. We're like the rugged hey, independent. It's only great because you get the right to be an individual, and that's where I think we've really lost our way in this country. Why people feel so hopeless is that you know we're fed this line about you know how we're in it together and connected, but everything is done through the confines of the individual action. We have no collective. Well, you I think it's, I, mean? I think writing, it's funny. Writing is interesting. It's the first collective action that people have done together in quite some time. I think it's funny that you it's a true collective action. I think it's interesting that you say that because even if you look at the response for this COVID nineteen for this virus, the federal response is weak and impotent, and they're making you know putting it all on the governors of the states, and so you know fracturing fracturing that again out into the individual and paring it down to the county or you know well that was to not take responsibility trump's whole mo is i'm not responsible for anything bad that ever happens right so i need to structure things in a way so that i can't ever be directly blamed for anything bad that ever happens so here covid we know i don't want to acknowledge it because it's going to hurt the stock market how can i structure a response in a way where i can always pass the blame to others Mm -hmm. here guess what republicans all about freedom you know in certain types of freedom certain types of people so the last thing he could do is is be seen as placating you know the liberals placating the left and you know crowing to you know the crisis we're not gonna have a strong federal response it's a state response you know what? Let's leave it up to the states, the yeah. individuals. Well, I knew what he was doing. But I mean, obviously, they, it was obviously was shirking. It was obviously they he was shirking responsibility. But I just think that you you kind of see that and in, 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 in a little bit in that. Um, and you know, and like you were saying, the, the greater good is never is never um, is never the the goal. Uh, you know, people won't even wear masks for the safety of their of their fellow persons outside. So you know, trying to get them to uh, change the way that they view the way that they're policed. Um, I think what happens too is I don't think people have, I think a lot of these folks haven't interacted with police in different contexts. So they've never really been in a situation other than that, other than like waving at a police officer, like as he drives by with their kids or in some kind of like, in some kind of like parade or parade or something like that, but they've never, they've never had to be afraid of, they've never had, right. They've never had a real deep discussion with the police in regards to when you're trying to sort out and something and got, and felt that frustration of, am I going to get arrested? Cause I thought you came to help me. 
and, and, and you and I have been in a specific situation that was like that, where you're like, um, we called the cops to help us. And now you're pointing a gun at me. Hey, they'll do it to the most, if they can do it to the most privileged fucking people on the planet, like ourselves, uh, then you can only imagine what they're doing it to the least privileged people. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's like a hundred. I just remember how frustrating that entire situation was where I couldn't believe that they had an ID of somebody and wouldn't go after them. And I, and they kept questioning us four or five times about what the incident that occurred. And we tried to explain it to them and it ended with, do you want to go to jail? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's going to jail here. And it's not the guys that jumped you. Not the guys. Not the guys that beat the shit out of you. Definitely not them. It could be you if you just. Could be you. Upset. You want to keep yelling? I know you can't breathe because your ribs got broken. But so uh, wrap this back. I think uh, the last thing I want to touch on is that you know a lot of people they don't understand like we were saying with boots. You know these billionaires who put these editors and news organizations together. They basically manufacture consent. The way they report on things. Yes. The way they frame things. I was listening to a good podcast that was talking about this before. Like CNN, you know, like they just had their their news anchor who was black. He got like arrested on air, right? And they made a big deal about it. You, you heard about this? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Like, oh yeah, like, this is this is un, this is unimaginable. Because it was one of their own. Guess what? During the uh, the what, the ones in Seattle, that big uh, when there was the Global Economic Summit, tons of protests. Amy Goodman, Democracy yep. Now, was arrested. Yep. Some other small. She was also arrested small, in Minneapolis at the Democratic National yep. Convention, or was it the RNC? So two, One of the two. I forget. There, but there was two. I forget what the thing was. It was that giant, like uh, international global summit in Seattle. Two journalists were charged with basically RICO crimes, which were decades of jail for protesting. Dang, racketeering. Guess what? Huh? Guess what? Guess what? They, they didn't work for CNN. CNN gave a fuck about them. Didn't report about them. Didn't do anything. Exact same situation journalists on the scene reporting protests charged with false crimes falsely imprisoned threatening decades in jail cnn doesn't care because it's not their network it's not one of theirs these people only care because one of their own elite super elitist buddies got in trouble he got he got politely put in the back of a of a car okay it shouldn't have happened why does it have to be about you cnn no one gives a fuck about you your guy getting arrested yeah that sucks okay it matters less than a pube on my balls. It's the least important thing of the story, okay? You need to focus on what matters. And what these guys do is they manufacture consent. So what I was talking about earlier with you was was how, like, the New York Times reports on things. And a lot of things are as simple as just the headlines because people only ever really pay attention to the headlines. Most people don't read the newspaper. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They Nowadays, walk by scrolling through they their feed. The, they, see, they see the newspaper in the store, and, and they'll read the headline because you can see that, but you're not actually going to read the story usually. I mean, I do because I'm a... Uh, content degenerate but most people are just like hey this the headline that's all you get so the headline frames the story and when you get this all the time it's the standing of the world so this is the new york times talking about a few different incidents minneapolis a photographer was shot in the eye that's that's the whole tagline a photographer was shot in the eye interesting yeah who shot that person was why did they shoot them this is something that where's the who what why and where and when? Yeah, but who who shot them and why they shoot them? I guess I guess this just happens. People get shot. We don't know who did it or why. Next story: Washington D.C. Protesters struck a journalist with his own microphone. Pretty detailed. Not, not journalist was struck with microphone. Right. That that's how it would have been written previously. Mm-hmm. Now we get protesters struck. We've got somebody doing something. We've got protesters being framed Active. negatively 
active. They're actively doing something negative. Next story, Louisville. A reporter was hit by a pepper ball on live television by an officer who appeared to be aiming at her. Who appeared. Was was hit. Again, this is just something that happened. Yeah. Not it, not, it, not 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 a not reporter. hit. Not not reporter hit. Reporter was hit. hit. Reporter shot. Reporter shot. Reporter shot. And and not shot by officer. Was hit by officer who appeared to be aiming. We can't say for certain. He might have been aiming at somebody nearer. We need to get his side of the story. You know what I mean? Maybe he was aiming at her microphone. Hey, there was a guy behind her who had a Molotov cocktail who deserved to get shot, and he just happened to be slightly off of his aim that day. Sorry, miss. I was trying to save your life. You should be thanking me. So this is what they do. It's passive voice when the state does violence. You know, it had to happen. No one's to blame. There's tons of ambiguities in it. Yeah. Active voice is for when protesters do it. Detailed, specific. This is manufacturing. Who did it? This is how the news media creates a dynamic where when you fight back, you're a piece of shit who is, you know, causing undue harm. But when violence happens to you, that's just the consequence of nature with no one at fault ever. Yes. Yes. Kind of a Blame, horrifying juxtaposition of how they do this. You know the, what I the mean? Faceless, the faceless state. So just mm. ratifying stuff in these day and age. I mean, you can see stuff here's, like here's, that, the, here's, you know? the, here's the final question. Does this change anything going forward? Does this change? Does this continue? Does it continue? Does does this continue and it just it, it just evolves into this just this this, this mess? Or in a month from now, have we forgotten about this? We're on to the next Donald Trump scandal or Joe Biden gaffe. Um, what happens now? I'd say things only change if this does continue. What does that does look like? Continue? Does it continue at the same scale? Does I don't this continue know that. to burn? I'll say this. Because America's been like the America's basically been in the same perpetual state since the end of like Jim Crow Oz. You know what I mean? We haven't really made any significant changes outside of ending that. That was the last like real significant civil rights change. And even that was just like, you know, paper. Well, we ended segregation, which was a good thing. We ended segregation, which was a good thing. Um, now we have thought, informal That's what I'm saying. Jim Crow, separate but equal. Separate right? but equal. Right. It, ending that was like the last big thing. But making people drink from different water fountains and then still treating them like they should drink from different water fountains are two different concepts. Yeah, I mean, you just I mean? the yeah, just the, the symptom the symptom doesn't doesn't address the cause, right? The root it's cause. It's like, hey, we can both drink from the same water fountain now. I'm just going to make it so that people who look like you live in a neighborhood where there are no water we'll fountains. We'll, and and you'll never drink from my water fountain. You'll never drink from mine. Exactly. Ever. And, when, hey, and if, when you come here, and when you, you come if, here. If, if you ever pull yourself up by your bootstraps and work your way through the financial world and get rich enough, I'll be glad to let you drink from this water fountain. Absolutely. But bo- until if then. Bo- if you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth or if you work hard enough to get that rich, you're welcome to drink from that. If not, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. And if you want to go bird watch, go watch it in some other fucking neighborhood or I'm going to call the cops on you. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll end it with a great quote from Brad Pitt in uh, Killing Them Softly as Jackie Coogan, uh, a hitman slash a negotiator, when he tries to get stiff to collect his payment at the end of the movie, says, America. America's not a country. America's a fucking business. Now pay me. Drops the mic.
Let's leave it at that, my I friend. I love it. Another great week, my friend. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Leave your comments yeah, sad below. Subject, uh, but a necessary one that if we're not willing to have uh, these type of conversations about Matt, then I don't think we're ever going to be capable of making progress. So I, I want to thank you for you know pushing this conversation and making us uh, you know have an uncomfortable chat that I feel like I've learned a few things during. Absolutely. Me too. Thanks for bringing it. I love it. It was a good week. Have another one. We will see everybody next week. Peace and love, my friends. Peace and love.